Welcome Home Radio Podcast. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Our team is here with answers to guide you through the buying and selling process. We encourage you to ask questions. Please comment on this show or visit us at welcomehomeradio.net for more information. Bringing real estate, lending, and education together in one place and to help you make the right home decision for you and your family. Here are your hosts, Blair Thomas, Tom Holm, Alan Pace, and Jeff Duffy. Welcome to Welcome Home Radio, where real estate lending and learning does come together. It is April 12th, and we're just so happy. I hope your Easter was a wonderful time with family. And we've got a good show for you. We're continuing our real estate bingo game. But I want to take us down to a, a, an issue that is coming around for a lot of people. I had a client call me this weekend, very frustrated, very exhausted. When you deal with your escrows, taxes and insurance, when they are being paid by the mortgage company, you receive a statement from the county showing your taxes. That is the time you need to challenge those taxes. And I'm more than happy, anyone on here is more than happy to help you understand how the best way to fight your taxes being raised. So I want to go into conversation with everybody. Guys, welcome. Hope your Easter was great. Good morning. morning. Howdy. Hey, I want to I want to bring this up because it really impacted a, a, a veteran that that was just so frustrated with this thing. It snuck up on him, but he did not realize the mortgage statements or not the mortgage statements, the tax statements came out last year and he should have challenged them prior to August so that they could possibly be lessened or cheapened because to make things understand what a county does, appraisal district does, is they take anywhere from 300 to 1,000 homes and do a broad brush raise of taxes because the value of those homes have gone up and they're going to increase your taxes. Now, you need to give them reasons why. And I couldn't believe this. I'm, I'm sure you guys already know this, but do you realize less than 10% of Texans fight their taxes here? It's even less. It's even less than ten. It's really eight percent. Even challenge their taxes. So that's ninety-two percent of the people out there never fight their taxes. Don't understand, and they raise, and they have to be paid. And if they're being paid by the mortgage company, they will prepay them for you. But now, your mortgage is gone. Your mortgage payment has gone up, plus the increase of what they've already paid. So it literally, this person saw a $1,600 monthly wow. increase for this first year. It would have dropped down $800 next year. Thank goodness they had the upfront cash to pay for the overage. So their mortgage payment is not going up as much. But even with all the disasters going on, do we not understand insurance companies are raising their rates? And they, I'm sure they have to tell us, but we're not paying attention to these things that impact a mortgage payment. And I, I guess I want to I want to bring this out. I want to make sure we're able to talk about it because statements are coming out soon. Are they not, Tom? They'll be coming out in, in May or June. Taxing statements. Yes. And you'll have till May 15th to set up a date with the county authority to contest your taxes. And and I don't care where you live, you need to contest your taxes. You need to challenge them. And if you don't understand how to, I'll be glad to walk you through that. Anyone on here will be glad to help you 
with that. But I think there's going to be a, if this is just an ex example here, I can't imagine how many people are being shocked with a mortgage payment increase due to insurance and taxes. Well, Eric, just a quick point. Um, folks, don't forget if you turn 65, file that senior exemption, your taxes come down. So, and that's it's still about 10 years off for me. But well, a lot of people forget to do that. I talk to people all the time and I didn't do that. I don't know why I didn't do that. Well, you should do that. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to go ahead and, and uh, challenge your tax bill, at least go for the gimme. That's Absolutely. And even on a, on a personal note, I, it, it's a tough battle. Make sure you get your paperwork and things organized because when you go in and, and set that appointment and, and work to fight those taxes, just be ready because they don't just roll over and give up very easily. Uh, on a personal note, it's been, it's been difficult. And keep in mind, Tom, you may know better than I. Now, I live in Collin County, but Dallas County this year is ex is possibly going to be even more more difficult because if you all recall, it's, it's kind of been quiet. Last year, they uh, had their data confiscated. They were... So there's a lot of mix up within the Dallas County appraisal district on their information because they were hacked. So uh, there's going to be a lot of concerns or at least make sure you pay attention to your statement when it comes out, because I, I think a lot of their information has, has gotten just mixed up as far as the data on these homes. And Blair, you mentioned earlier about, I guess, insurance companies have to tell us when our rates are going up. Well, they do. They send you an email saying that your policy will be in effect on whatever date that is for your house. And if you don't look at it, you have no idea. But when you do look at it, and I can't speak for every state, but I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, and here with our hail and other things that are going on, it's gone up significantly. I mean, a lot. So if you're out there and you're listening, wherever you are, uh, but gosh, if you're here in Dallas-Fort Worth, Shop your insurance because you're going to need to. Well, let, let me make sure also people need to understand whether the storm took place here in North Texas or not, we're helping to pay for that nine tornadoes over in the Midwest. And we're going to help pay for uh, floodings on the coast. And we're going to help pay. I mean, it's it's spread out throughout the industry. It's spread out. We You need to shop your insurance. And again, I, I'm going to disagree with you, Jeff, a little bit. It is not hard to fight your taxes. If you organize and you understand that sitting on those boards are appraisers that have either they've retired or they could be existing. Some are realtors, but most of them are appraisers in the past that are invited to sit on those tax boards. If you organize your notes very similar to what an appraisal looks like, it makes sense to them and they can see that. And I have, I, I don't know why, but it's very simple to fight and bring the value of your home to a reasonable time, as opposed to, oh, we're increasing everybody by, you know, a 10% increase because your home went up 15. Yeah, good note is to have your comps up front and all your data, and then have about 30 pages underneath the two pages that have stuff on them and make it look like you really went to town on it. They dismiss you pretty quick. And that's and what's easy for them right now, though. When you speak of comps, they pull up the comps in your area and go, well, here's what's selling around you. So we're, you know, we've got a good place to stand. 
Well, they, it, here is the here's what I do. I don't know how anybody else, but just like an inspector goes around, Tom, you probably have insight to this as well. But I go around and take pictures of things that need repair, that need work. And then I explain, and then I give cost of repair. And I do all of that. And I've got anywhere from four, maybe up to, I've had 1.10 pages, two per page of explanations of here's pictures, here's what needs to repair. And this is why the value of my home is not what you're saying it is. So if you, I mean, Tom, would you agree? Oh, the better you do as far as walking in and saying my house is a piece of trash, the better off you're going to be. <laughs> he must be taking pictures of my house when he talks about repair work and everything. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, right? You know, this dishwasher hasn't worked since uh, 1907. <laughs> well, and for folks that don't do what Blair does and take all that time to do it, there's companies that will help you do it. And there's a lot of them out there that won't charge you a penny if they can't get your results. And if they do get your results, they charge a percentage and it's, it's a pretty good percentage, but you're still going to win. You're going to come out a little bit less than you started with. So um, at least go that route. If you, you're not able to, you know, walk around, take pictures or get somebody to help you do all that. Well, and I have multiple properties and that's the only way I would do it. I mean, they ask me sometimes to, send updated pictures and I, you know, tenants aren't going to be just doing the most thrilled piece of taking care of the property, even though I'm blessed with some pretty good tenants. Uh, when you take those pictures for them and you send them to, that's really the only step they will tend to ask you to help with because you have access to the property and they're not going to have access, but they make that presentation in front of the boards for you. If you have multiple properties, uh, I sure would not want to do that with all my properties. That it would be too painful, too much work, and too off base to go ahead and do that. But this combination thing, though, the insurance and the taxes this year, I don't know. Ooh. You know, I was reading an article over the weekend as far as small investors, and basically one of the major motivators for people to get rid of their rental properties right now is the fact that they're seeing such a large uptick in their taxes and insurance on these properties and you don't get a 65 exemption on investment properties. Bummer. Yeah. yeah. You don't well, even I get one to bring it home. I well, what do you care? You're only 54. I know, <laughs> but I'm just saying for those people that are worried a little bit about that. But I wanted to bring this out to to because I think these things are coming out now because the year just ended the first quarter these things are starting to catch up to folks and some people are in a bind because their mortgage went, is going to go up in April or the end of May. And how are you going to, how are you going to deal with it? So some proactiveness that you can take new homeowners existing. I mean, unless your home is paid off and you take care of your taxes and your insurance yourself, this is something that can end up biting you big time and cause major issue. Sometimes it almost caused this gentleman to move if he couldn't come up with the solution he did. So he was all prepared at the first to sell his home and move into a rental property. So wanted to bring that up. Any other final comments before we get going? Into I got a quick thing? question as a lender. Is it up? And I'm going to go back to the exemption thing, 65 for your, your home. When you're lending money to a senior citizen like that, and you know how old they are. That's part of your what lenders do, right? They say, are you 
did you do your exemption or or how does that work because i i know people what happens a lot is you know the spouses are are different in age um and somebody always reaches that magic number before the other and sometimes that person's not on the loan so um is that something that comes up i just when you're lending money to people and you see that 65 thing? It, it comes up, but the bottom line of it is it goes to, and we've got the perfect person on here by the name of Jeff that we go into and we get the exact taxes for that because we're, he, he title double text where taxes are at presently. Is there a lien on there as well as are any exemptions taking place? They give us the accurate taxes. I estimate it like a veteran at 90%. I can estimate the decrease along with the age there. And I didn't know it goes down. You get a discount of sorts, but you get a freeze on your taxes is that I like is that because once we reset, then we know exactly where there'll be every year from that on. But uh, most of the time title Jeff does that. Is that correct? You finalize those numbers accurately. Yes. That's part of when we're issuing a policy, we make sure taxes are up to date. Uh, and we, now you will notice at that time, uh, we'll talk about exemptions, but exemptions obviously will change sometimes. If there's, if, if a homestead exemption is there, you will maintain that benefit as long as you file uh, this for the new year that now that you own the property. But other other exemptions will be pulled away, like an over 65, for example, or a cap. And we have to make sure we're, we're keep, keeping up so there's not rollback issues. But the homestead will will stay in place, and you get the benefit of that for the whole year that you own that property but you do have to make sure you file for your homestead now that you're the new owner. And as a realtor, I, I bring it up. I mean, I don't ask how old are you, but I do say, uh, you know, understand the exemptions here in the, in Texas. And, and, you know, it is still surprising to me, the folks that qualify for it that haven't even tried. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. If you're listening, um, check it out. If you're turning 65 this year, get active and look at it. It can save you a lot of money. Or find us at welcomehomeradio.net. Put your comments there. We'll get back with you. We'll help you go. I think one of the best things that they have done here in Texas is that closing, all of that can be filed with the county immediately. It does not have to wait anymore for the next year. So that's a great uh, that is a blessing. And mm -hmm. I think that's why people have missed it. But thank you for taking us taking time going down that rabbit trail. I think it's important. We're ready for real estate bingo or mortgage bingo, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Let's bring our card up. Jeff, why don't you start us up? Woo. Let's go with choose your loan type. Choose your loan type. All right. Choosing your loan type is important. One, whether you qualify or not, there are many different types. There are four major types other than hard money. We're going to go with the Fannie, Freddie, Jenny, VA, USDA type programs. So you've got conventional. You've got FHA, you have VA and USDA, which is VA and USDA are similar, but one's for a military veteran, the other one's for a civilian on economic uh, challenges. So whichever one is best, conventional tends to be, and help me understand, Alan, why, why do realtors love the conventional mortgage? What's the reasoning that it is a preferred outside of cash? Well, there, some of it's based on, I think, fact and some not so much. But anyway, there's a perception out there in a market like we just got through 
Um, conventional loans are better than FHA and VA loans because of simply the restrictions put on the, the loans. That's the talk out there. Um, more money down with a conventional loan generally tells a seller I'm dealing with somebody with means in case there's issues and sellers tend to like that. Um, now, I think, you know, to the original question, as a realtor, I like anybody that's pre-qualified and I just like if they're pre-qualified, period. Um, I stay in my lane as a realtor. I find the house, I sell the house, I do the diligence on the buyer or the seller, depending on who I'm representing. But, you know, if you're pre-approved with any loan, you that means you can buy a house. So that's kind of how I, I roll. But a conventional loan in general, um, I think the, um, especially coming through the last couple of years, there's a thing out there saying, hey, they got more money and they're in a better position. And, you know, other than cash, that's a more safe type buyer. And a seller, of course, wants as much money as they can get for the house with as little risk as possible and as quick sure. as possible. Well, I think it comes back to, and Tom, jump in here. When somebody prefers a loan program over another one, doesn't it generally come down to the appraisal that's going to be utilized for the home they're trying to sell? Because they know, well, I can negotiate with this type of loan program, this type of loan program, it's a little less lenient. Is that, would you agree with that statement or not? Well, since 2008 9, I, I would probably not agree with that as much. And I know that that was an argument for years and years and years as far as uh, don't go FHA. You know, they're way too hard on the property, yada, yada, yada. Uh, with VA, FHA, with the government loans, USDA, the one thing the appraiser is tasked with is making sure the house is, has health, does not have health and safety issues. Well, I think that that's actually now, it, I know that it's part of the credo with conventional as well, because conventional prior to 2008, if you had a window that was all broken out, busted, and a little door lock that wasn't working on the front door, conventional appraisers would degra degrade the condition of the house, but they wouldn't make that a stipulation that that is a health and safety issue. Today, conventional Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac say, whoa, whoa, that's stupid. If we've got a broken out window, don't degrade it. Say, hey, this is broken. And so the, the mindset of that has changed over the, the last decade plus uh, with regards to that. I will, you know, I'll still mention that VA does have, uh, besides the CRV, they have an ROV that comes with the assessments. But if your house has been taken care of, if it's in decent shape, you're not going to run into the, these issues that you might have back in the late 1990s or early 2000 period with regards to conditions. So uh, I think more of the driving force is what are the appropriate uh, and loan officers should always be watching this. The appropriate financing should be, can the person repay the loan? Is this is the best loan designed for repayment of the monies being given to them, the dollars $400,000 we're giving to you. What's the absolute probability or good possibility this will be repaid, especially in the first three years after you get the loan itself? Okay. Yeah, I think, Blair, appraisals do matter, though, a lot. And, you know, especially in times where we just came through – um, you know, be it good information or bad sellers, again, want 
as much as they can get with as little risk as possible. And clearly VA and FHA can get out of it if it doesn't appraise. And, um, you know, you could waste 27, 28 days uh, where with an, another type loan, you might not. And of course, sure. cash, <laughs> you move on. Sure. Well, and I'll also say this, that the type of contracts that are written on conventional, it says, I'll pay no matter what, whether exactly. it appraises or not. Yep. is a liability to buyers. It's a liability to sellers and realtors needed to really during the crazy times for the previous three years where they said, well, you're not going to get it unless you'll pay whatever, you know, exorbitant price you're offering. That's that's in the process of coming back and biting some of those people, uh, especially in Austin, in those areas where the Uber pricing has been you know, rampant for now several years. Uh, it's one of the markets that's hardest hit with re reduction in values. And we'll see those realtors in Austin paying a price for that exuberance to not take into consideration a third party, independent third party's opinion of value. That's not going to be protective of buyers and sellers if they're just paying rampant amounts to, con to argue later on that, well, this was just what the market was. I've been there, done that. I was a broker, principal broker in San Antonio when that happened, and we lost lawsuits after lawsuits. I won't say thousands of lawsuits. Two lawsuits stick out in my brain that were we had to settle out of court with our ENO and you know pay difference wow. people that came back. Now we know why Tom's an instructor, and we know why he doesn't have any hair as well. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh, God, in such a good mood, too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what, Blair? I have a question, you guys, because y'all are y'all are more knowledgeable than I. But I think in the past, the, going back to types of loans, <laughs> the <laughs> the, uh, the <laughs> VA loans, I think, had an unfair star attached to them at times. That they were just more challenging because of the way the VA runs and handles doing their loans. And I, I think people, it's, I think it's very important. People need to understand it, they are in a much stronger position now and how a VA loan comes and how it's handled and how it's processed and, and, and completed through closing. Is that a fair must? I'm mixing up my words there, but I think it's important. People know that things have changed there in that aspect. Well, I think the market um, in the past has, has had a negative view of VA loans just due to the fact that the appraisal might take longer than a conventional. I can put a rush here where VA pretty much is in control. They get 10 working days for that appraisal no matter what. And if they're able to get it back sooner, great. But otherwise, they're, they're held to a standard of 10 working days, period. And uh, making sure the VA appraisals around that area, those appraisal appraisers stay busy. Uh, they have to travel some and, and they go. Uh, I think the other aspect of it is it might, the, the VA appraiser sometimes has been very difficult, like limbs hanging over roofs that are of a circumference size that they need to be taken down before. In fact, I had one where it was the neighbor's tree that had to be cut. And oh my goodness, does that cause drama with the seller? Does that cause drama with the neighbor that's going to move, that you know, you're moving into your, uh, the fence could be taken down, the roof could be, these but things like Tom said, is it safe? Is it safe for the family to move in? Whether it's a veteran or not, it should be considered and looked at that way. If you're not paying attention 
and your neighbor's not trimming his tree, why are you allowing that thing to grow over the fence? Are you trying to tell us something, Tom? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I love your shirt. It's a pretty blue. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I think, again, loans have spec certain aspects that, that are benefit to the buyer, whichever one's pre-approved, as, as Alan says, hey, I'm willing to work with you. But whatever works best, the lender should be working hard at making, creating that, and then selling it. Uh, again, the seller should be going whatever money they can get and, and work through that process. Now, each one of them has a process. Some can be closed sooner than others. USDA, I got to say, is the slowest. You normally can expect 45 to 60 days just because of documentation, where it's at. And, and of course, the beef people are a little difficult to work with, you know. That's, but, no, I'm teasing. I get uh, a steak when I hear USDA. I always do. It is the same people. USDA <laughs> loans are with the USDA beef certification. Okay, I think we've done that. Let's go back to our bingo card. Alan, what's yours? How about compare rates? Comparing rates. Wow. Comparing rates. Well, Tom. Well, that might be a hot topic right now because we've had <laughs> rates going up, down, all around. So let's compare rates. Let's compare rates. I mean, uh, you know, Tom, why can't I get three and a half percent anymore? I don't understand. I mean, my neighbor got three and a half percent three and a half, four years ago. Why can't I get three and a half today? You don't have a good lender. Oh, oh. he said that with a straight face. too. He did. <laughs> no, seriously, explain to me what a rate sheet, our listeners, what, what's the rate market? What does that really mean? And what does it mean to be buying onto a rate sheet? or what par rate is, and why is it the web always has these best rates and then I never get them, or they're not accessible? Well, one of the things we look at, of course, uh, you mentioned par rate, which I think is where we should start. Par rates are a reflection of where the market is at any point in time, where the lender is not required by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac to charge any discount points, nor are they being charged to the borrower because of their situation. And by that, a 0% charge interest rate is a par rate. And when I talk about points, that is the item that affects interest rates up or down. And um, when we talk about par rates, everything starts from there. They have what they call LLPAs, loan level pricing adjustments, and they is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, VAFHA, uh, they have loan level pricing adjustments that affect your rate according to your circumstance. So circumstances can be one of a thousand different things with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA. It could be the amount you put down on the loan. It could be the uh, type of loan you're getting, investment loan versus uh, an owner-occupied loan. It can be credit score based. It can be the size of the loan. So all these things, when you see a rate quoted out there somewhere in cyber world, they're saying basically the best borrower, the borrower that's going to put down 20, 25 percent, 
that's got 800 credit scores, that's getting a conventional loan over $275,000, that that individual is going to get this best rate, the zero par rate that's in, in, um, reflected when you see that on the internet. And so because that is not the vast majority of borrowers, when you go and finally get somebody to give you an, a quote on your circumstances, all those LLPAs I just mentioned come into play along with dozens of other factors. And they say, well, your rate can't be 3%, it's 7%. And that's a big swing. We don't have 3%. 3% back in a, a year and a half ago, that was what the market where it was on the day they were quoting 0% cost. Today, it's closer to the 6 6.5% range for that same borrower albeit their circumstances haven't changed. They're still putting down 20%. So the market's working behind the scenes, raising the rates up and down, while the individual, their pricing is in a reflection of how far off that market will be on a particular day with their circumstance that they're borrowing under. Why and today do you not have any par rates available in the market? Say one more time. Why are we not having any par rate, zero cost rates in the market today? Well, the market sees this as a temporary throw in the in the real world at uh, if I'm quoting to you a 30 year rate of six and a half percent today or a six percent rate today with two or three points. And that is the par rate that I have to charge points. It's because they're saying to us, basically, in six months, a year, rates are going to be lower. And because they're going to be lower, you're going to do what? Refinance. And once you refinance that loan that I did and took all the pain and suffering to do with you back a year ago, I'm not really going to be breaking even on that loan unless I have charged a couple of points up front or a point up front to get my pro profit. Loans are designed to make profit over the first three years to seven years. They're not designed to make all the profit in the first 12 months or six months of that loan being there. And who buys is, who buys mortgage-backed securities that are, impact our listeners, that our listeners would know? Well, behind the scenes, there's big, big multi-billion dollar corporations buying this. The Lizard people and uh, the Snoopy people and Flow. Those large uh, insurance companies come out and they want to buy long-term securities because the money we give them for our premiums, they want to invest and get some safe monies back to them to help subsidize our insurance rates. Well, unfortunately, in a, a volatile market like this, you know, they're stuck out there with that same type of risk factor that if we go and refinance that 7% rate that we got from six months ago, they're going to lose the monies that they're really they're losing their investment as far as not making money, but losing money on the investment, helping us finance our houses. So large corporations, General Motors buys large packages of mortgage backed securities, Ford Motor, um, pension plans, large pension plans for uh, cities, Dallas City Pension Plan actually owns a tranche of mortgage backed securities. So anybody that's into long-term investment and looking at that return, 
consider mortgage-backed securities a very safe investment, but not so much today because of the volatility of this interest rate thing saying, you know, it got from three to seven in a six month period, which is the highest, fastest it's ever gone. It's a hundred percent increase in the rate over a six month period. Can it come down that quickly as well? And the people out there say, yes, it could. But keep in mind, if you got a 7% rate, you're going to start refinancing at 6% or five and a three quarter percent. You're not going to wait till it gets down to 3% to refinance, making that money go away no matter what that you originated at 7%. You use a very dangerous term there, Tom. They say. They say. <laughs> they say. Yeah. And I want to jump on Tom's point too. If you're out there watching, of course, welcomehomeradio.net, get to us for some answers, but don't rely on just internet, fancy low rates. Tom's got good points there. You don't read the very bottom, very teensy weensy little little words that go on the bottom of the screen. It's no, legally. Yeah. Rates so are subject to, to change. Yeah. Talk to a real person, and that includes credit repair. Don't go down the wrong rabbit hole with credit repair. You can do more damage than good. Get some good advice. Talk to a real professional about it, and I think you'll be happy you did. So I just well wanted to throw that there. in there real quick. But you have the right to shop for rates, and if you, with that right, you can ask any lender for what is called an LE for your loan. That's a loan estimate that locks them in. If you get a proposal that is not locked in, that does that does not mean it won't change. An LE is a commitment by a lender to you with certain things that are zero tolerance. Some have up to a 10. What is the highest on that? 20%? 10%. 10 10% change to them. So you have a true rate potential as well as cost potential on an LE. Your rate may not be locked with that LE, but at least you'll understand all your costs that are associated. It is not a proposal that it can be changed. So you have a right to shop lenders for that. But again, you also want to work with somebody, trust in them. And once you're locked with somebody, that is a commitment in my mind. I mean, there's it can be blown up, but... Normally, once you lock a rate, you have locked in that loan and who you'll be using. So comments, thoughts, any other questions on that? Shopping rates. Great points, gentlemen. Let's go back to our bingo card. Tom, you're up. Oh, boy. Well, I was going to mark compare rates, but it's uh, compare rates is X'd out, right? Yes. We, used, we just Well, then I can get a bingo if I say have tax returns available, can't I? Absolutely. You would win the game. <laughs> Won't I win the game? <laughs> the winner. Have well, tax yeah. returns. It's funny how how many people understand that tax returns are used or not used in a lender process. If you are a W-2 employee, that means you are being paid by the company and they're paying 7.5% of your employment tax by the company that you work for, you are a W-2 employee. For most loan organizations, most loan underwriting guidelines, you do not have to prepare or have, have presented tax returns. But if you're a self-employed borrower of any type and you have not 
been doing that for at least a year, a little over a year of and a one tax return year, tax returns are utilized to generate your income. Now, help me understand, gentlemen, why does a truck driver earning $350,000 a year can only or is denied the ability to do a mortgage for a simple $200,000 home? How in the world is that happening? What happens to that tax return? What's happening there that they show? You have any idea? Well, I would assume their income is 1099. Yes. W2. Yes. So that would be a big red flag, 1099. <laughs> Write-offs on a 1099 employee, self-employed borrower. So writing off purchases of gas or fuel, replacement tires, repair work, all of that, I literally had one, somebody that made over 350000 his income that he reported was right at $28,000. Wow. That's what he paid his taxes on. So that's what a lender has to base the income on for that borrower is based on those tax returns. And we always ask for two years. You can have less than two years investment in that, but it has to be more than one year tax year returns. We can work through that if that's possible, but two years of what we look for so that we can calculate their income. And so depending on how well you do your taxes, if you're paying a CPA to save you as much money as possible, you may not be able to buy a home the way you want to, or you may be putting more money down that you're saving on your tax returns that you'll be able to do. So again, tax returns, preparation, a lot of the loans, that are done do not require them. But the ones that do self-employed borrowers, owners of businesses, if you want to earn that, use that secondary income where you own a business and you will, you know, you make 5,000 a month off of that. We have to prove that up with your tax returns. Investors like our champion teacher here, he has to show his income on his tax returns. So that income can be utilized. Otherwise, that income may not be able to be utilized if you cannot have or have prepared tax returns. Or if you do it, or if you do it like me, I just do all cash, and so I don't report it. Ah, good job. <laughs> I thought you might be in that new new mortgage. Y'all heard about the new company that is doing Bitcoin mortgage. Oh, that sounds like a good one. <laughs> sounds strong. What's the value there? Yeah, right. Blair left us. She no, did. Blair's frozen She's up. Frozen. That's a, good, that's a good position for him. <laughs> Look, and Mom, that, I caught a fish. And that, I know. He, <laughs> is he put oh, keeping it open so he can put his foot in his mouth or what? Well, Mark, we're getting pretty close to being done, I think. So maybe this is a cue. <laughs> Y'all are just wrong. Oh, just wrong. Oh, Blair could hey, hear us. You're in that position, there, you know. <laughs> he heard us. Oh, my God. a little God. blurry. Sorry. He's gone again. Am I the only one live? <laughs> <laughs> I like it when his mouth moves Ouch. and nothing comes out. <laughs> Y'all are just wrong, I tell you. It comes from love, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go back to our bingo card. 
Blair, you're up. I am up. Well, if we want to do a bingo run, we'll do use a mortgage calculator. Do we recommend using a mortgage calculator? Yes. I stay in my lane. I have them go to the lender. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree. I mean, in, in using a mortgage calculator to ask you a lot of questions to get an accurate, if you just want your principal and interest payment, depending on what rate you get, you that's a great way to do it. No problem. But if you're going to go in and get a full PITI rate and mortgage, you're going to have to understand your taxes, your, your insurance. What about also the calculation that we don't see on your mortgage statement, but what you do in a calculation as a lender is your HOA dues. Those are calculated as a cost as well. So I would do exactly what Alan says. Talk to your lender. Ask him for a full updated proposal that gives you a breakdown of all the principal interest taxes and insurance, along with any cost that is calculated for your full debt to income ratio and debt to income ratio. There's a high and a low. The low is basically just your mortgage. Just your mortgage costs compared to your income. The high is all your liabilities that are there on your credit report, along with the mortgage purchase of your home. That's where the DTI is calculated. And to understand that, you need to talk to a lender because you're not going to have access to all your liabilities. How much does the credit cards report? All of those types of things can be forgotten. So I fully recommend not using a mortgage calculator for an estimate, yes. But for more accuracy, please contact your lender. Put them to work. Let them work for you. Everyone on this show is here to work for you. And I and Tom, do you remember the time we talked about I we we brought out how many people are actually working on a loan behind the realtor and the lender? Do you remember that show? Yeah, I do. And we came down to it that we had over 34 people on the back end working on an individual single loan for people at the most. I mean, that includes title and their processing. That includes lending processing, underwriting, uh, closing. That that's, that's dealing with your inspection, your appraiser. All of those people are trying to work toward your success. You put them into work. Help them work for you. But understand, ask your questions. Your two key contacts is your realtor, or excuse me, realtor, and your lender. Would you agree? Uh, Yeah, if you're asking just anybody, yeah. And it's realtor, realtor, I don't care. Just call me. (laughs) Hey, you. Hey, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I... Blair, you know, and you guys know I've this. This is where I always say, stay in your lane. You know, Jeff does what he does. You do what you do. I do what I do. But you can't do everybody's job. That's why they do their job. So, yeah, I mean, I I always, you know, if I'm talking, it depends on who I'm talking to. Also, if it's a very experienced buyer, um, sometimes they prefer a certain title company. Sometimes they prefer their own lender and their own realtors. That's why they're back with me or something. But when you're talking to somebody brand new that has never been through the process, that's when you got to really, you know, you got to really give them some good upfront information. And that's why I tell realtors, stay in your lane, tell them enough 
to where they can get the basics and then direct them in the right you know direction so they get great up-to-date facts um, you know lenders know market rates and all the different things that they know and Jeff stays in his lane with title and and, uh, and takes care of all that part so that that's all I can say I always like stay in your lane get people to the right um, area they need to be in at that time and, and it'll be a good process so again mortgage calculator is good principal and interest only I think it's a good estimate but it is not conclusive fully what your cost will be and first-time home buyers mortgage calculators you should use the lender as your mortgage calculator you should be contacting them and one more thing too on the mortgage calculator if you're on the internet they're simply trying to get you to borrow money from them that is <laughs> you know that calculator's there but it's like back to tom's point about the internet you don't see the fine print you just see that big old name and our market calculator is better than theirs borrow from me well that's that's not how you ought to do it amen Amen. Well, it's been a great morning. Uh, appreciate everybody. If you have questions, find us at welcomehomeradio.net. Ask them there. Our past shows have been there as well. Like us, share us. If you have key questions, get back to us. I thank you. And again, happy Easter. I'm Blair Thomas. I'm Tom Holm. I'm Alan Pace. And I'm Jeff Duffy. God bless. Welcome Home Radio production provided by Lunatic Digital. Check the listing of this podcast for the links to our sponsors. And don't forget to like, share, and follow us on social media. Visit welcomehomeradio.net for more information. This was a Lunatic Digital production. Visit lunaticdigital.com for all your digital needs.